All right, well, welcome to uh, week three of Making Love Stick. We're glad you guys are here this morning. The series is all about love. It's all about ooey-gooey 16-year-old love, right? It's all about how, uh, you know, we all believe that at some point in our life that we're going to find love. Whether we found it or not, we all hope for it. We want it. It's something that we, that we seek after, right? It's something that, um, you know, I think it's, it's good to have guy friends and it's good to go do guy stuff, but deep down, it's not enough to just have guy friends that we go play ultimate frisbee with and, and uh, you know, go, you know, do whatever guys do, all that stuff, you know? And, and it's, it's, it's not good enough for girls to just have their girlfriends that they do whatever girlfriends do when they get together. It's just not enough for that, right? There's, there's some imprint in us that makes us want more, that makes us want love on a deeper level, that makes us want love that lasts a lifetime, right? We all desire it. And I think deep down that desire is, is rooted in God, that God laid it on our hearts to, to desire that love and not just love that, that happens and fades, but love that lasts because that's how God loves us. He loves us for eternity. And so I think that's deep down, that's the thumbprint of God on our hearts, wanting us to love. You know, my wife, Rachel, and I, we met 14 years ago. We met August 18th, 1996. And uh, that's, uh, we started dating and we dated for four years. Um, this is a picture of us when we were, when we were kids there. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's 1996. There's the two of us. She still looks as beautiful as she did then. Um, I've grown a little bit. Um, but we dated for four years. In 1999, um, three years later, I asked her to marry me. And insanely enough, she said yes. Actually, she didn't say yes. It's funny. I, I got down on my knee and I got the ring on everything. And she, she said, are you going to put the ring on? I said, are you going to say yes? And, and she said, yeah. So, so she did say yes. Eventually, she agreed to marry me. I kind of wore her down. And uh, in 2000, we ran down the aisle together, the two of us. Um, and, and oh, wait, we're missing some pictures here. See there, yeah, there we go. So, uh, so there's us running down the aisle, um, and we ran down the aisle together and did that. And ha- and and then 11 years later, now there's the there's the Fab Fisher Five with our three children there. So there's five of us now, and and we've got our little cherubs, and it's it's great. And uh, and you know, I didn't really ask Rachel, but I bet if I asked her, you know, like, hey, what would you hope that our future would be together? We've kind of talked about that. What would you hope? And she would say, you know, I hope that someday, you know, we'll be, you know, old wrinkled prune hands holding hands sitting on the, on the front porch, like watching life go by, something like this maybe. Like that's kind of our, our dream of where we want to be. We want to be in love sitting on the front porch, you know? And, uh, and so that's, that's the, I'm blessed to be able to say that's my um, kind of love story, I guess, if you will, with my wife. And I'm blessed also to say that, you know, after 14 years of knowing her that, you know, when I fell in love with her, I was like, man, I could never love somebody as much as I love this person. But I'm blessed to say I actually love her more than I did the day I met her. That's just a blessing for me to be able to say. But, you know, these pictures up here are all happy. You know, they're all like, you know, everything looks great. But this isn't Big Brother. This isn't The Bachelor. They don't follow us around with a camera and take pictures at the times that it's not so, you know, roses and, 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 uh, and happiness. It's, sometimes there are things that they go wrong. And, you know, in our relationship, this is hard to admit, but we have argued, right? And we have fought and we have gotten on each other's nerves, right? And we've, we've argued over stuff and, and had our little disagreements. And I know um, even there was a point when we were dating when we had to take a break from being, you know, uh, a couple and just focus on being who we are individually. There was a time in our relationship. So I know that, that when we 
look back at those. You know, I don't remember every time that we fought over what brand of butter or, you know, every time that we fought over, you know, what we were going to go do that night, all those silly little fights that happened. Um, I don't remember everyone, but I do remember that every time there was that tension, that at some point there was a choice to say, this person is worth fighting for. This relationship is worth fighting for. And, and that, that love, that connection kind of brought us back to each other. So we are in the third week of the series. Um, and the third week, we, the first week we said, make love a verb, right? And so we said, guys, we want you to get out there and be a little more sensitive. We want you to get out there and, and be a little more romantic, right? My wife was like, like elbowing me, like, yeah, listen, right? And, 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 and to do things that, that make our wives, you know, to do the things that make our wives happy instead of just saying the things that make our wives happy. And the same thing for, for ladies to do the basic things that I guess guys look for in relationships. So just get out there and, and try to make love a verb. The second week Rob came and he told us, you know, hey, I want you guys to um, love each other the way Christ loves you, right? To mutually submit, to serve each other, to get in there and to, and to think about the other person higher than you think about yourself, right? And so this morning you may have come here, hearing, you may have come having heard those two messages. You may have uh, come in here and, and your relationship is amazing. You're, those two things are going great. You're actually doing those two things. That's awesome. You may have also come in here and that, that relationship's not going so great, right? And there's some tension there for whatever reason. You may have come in here and, and you're the only one of the, of the couple that's here because for whatever reason that relationship is, is not working right now. It's broken. There's something wrong. Maybe it has broken and there's a, there's a history of that. And you come in here with that pain when we're talking about relationships and love and you're feeling that pain, you know, for whatever reason, um, that, that's you this morning. Maybe you came in here and you're just hopeful that at some point in your life you'll find that love that I'm talking about. I don't know where you are, but I think you owe it to your, to your future relationship to kind of pay attention to what we're talking about this morning. So even if you work lo- hard to make love a verb, and even if you love each other the way Christ loved us, there's sometimes that we get distant. There's sometimes we argue. There's sometimes that things happen. There's disappointments. There's hurts. There's hangups. There's all those things. And if we're honest, even though we're in love, there's sometimes that we're not feeling it, right? There's sometimes we're in love, but we're not feeling like we're in love. If we're truly honest, with ourselves, right? And so maybe that honeymoon phase is over. It's not all happiness. Maybe the, the reality of life, the finances, the kids, the health, the, you know, the uh, whatever is all kicked in and all that stress is piled on there and that relationship is strained. For whatever reason, we get distant and those things hurt us. Now, and maybe we come into the relationship and we have something in our past, this big skeleton in the closet that we're dragging with us. And, and as it comes into the relationship, it causes tension, it causes pain, it causes hurts. And it causes those relationships to be more distant. And I would say it's a mystery, and it's not one that I'm going to resolve today, but it is a mystery how two people can fall so madly in love, right, that they want to spend the rest of their life together. And then at some point, life and the hangups and everything can come together in this, in this way to create two people who previously were so madly in love that they committed their life to each other, and then at some point in their life became two people who couldn't stand to be in the same room. And and that's just one of those realities of our life that's out there. And uh, it's a mystery that, again, I'm not, I'm not planning to solve today, but I, it's one that I just definitely know is there. And I'd say part of the reason that it happens, part of the reason that, that our relationships struggle, that we have tension, is because we all have a past. We all have a past. We all, like, we all come into our relationships with a past. Maybe we had a mom who didn't love us. 
Maybe we had a dad who was never there. Maybe we had a big brother who was valedictorian of his class and got everything straight A's so that you were always Kevin's little brother. Maybe, that's what, maybe that was you, right? That, that's me. So um, when, you, when you enter into the relationship, you come with that baggage of all the expectations and all the past and all that stuff that came in there. Maybe somebody let you down. Maybe somebody told you you were ugly and you believed that lie. Maybe somebody has just left you broken and you come into your relationship with all that stuff. Because the truth is, we enter every relationship with a broken heart. We enter every single relationship with a broken heart. And if you don't believe me, you can read Romans 3.23 that says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. And we bring all that into our relationships. So to kind of help me introduce, you know, illustrate this today, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of my friends that I brought with me, okay? All right. I want you to meet Mr. and Mrs. Mug, all right? Now, Mr. and Mrs. Mug, um, they actually met out of college. They, they, after, after they graduated, they met there, and, and she saw him, and she said, wow, he's got that college degree, and he's got that car, and oh, he's so cute, and, and he makes me laugh, and man, did you see his paycheck? And, and she's so excited, right? And, and then he sees her, and he's like, man, she's so funny. She's the life of the party, and I mean, look at her. She's a knockout. I mean, she's got all that going for her, right? And so, whoo, he just sees her, and whoo, they're instantly attracted, and, and they're, uh, they're, you know, they're dating. Y'all didn't know you were getting a puppet show this morning, did you? Right. So they're dating, right? And they're being all careful and they're being all loving and, and it's, oh, you know, and, and ooh, and all that, whatever, 16 years, you know, so, and, and, um, and, and so, you know, the toughest thing they have to decide is what they're going to eat for dinner or, or where they're going to, what movie they're going to see, you know, and he still goes to see all the romantic comedies and she still goes to see all the football games and, and everything's amazing, right? And so they fall so madly in love that they get married and then they walk down the aisle together and they're doing all that. They're, they're married and, and, then, and then they're into their marriage and now they're living in the same house and things are all great. And then, and then one day it happens, you know, he says something, she says something and oh my goodness. And, and all of a sudden, stuff flies out, stuff that they didn't even know was there, comes flying out, right? And, and he, says, he says to her, whoa, why are you always nagging me, right? And she says, why are you yelling at me? And he says, I don't know. And she says, you've got an anger issues. And he says, I didn't have anger issues until I met you. And, and you just, you, know, you get under my skin. And, and she's, ah. And so then she goes to her sister's house, right? And, and, and so she's over there and, and they're, they're talking and she says, I can't believe it. He's, he just makes me, he gets under my skin and I've, I've never, you know, you know, wanted to hit somebody so bad in my life and blah, you know, whatever. And, and so she's so upset and she's crying, right? And, and then he goes, um, I don't really know where guys go. He, <laughs> with, he goes fishing, all right? So he's fishing, right? And, he's, and, and during the, the whole fishing experience, he he realizes, you know, he's just, you know, he's all mad. So he comes back and, and um, he doesn't realize anything because, you know, we need people to coach us. So he, he, he comes back in and he says, I cannot believe that you make me so angry. And she says, I don't even know who you are anymore. And he says, I, I didn't sign up for this. And she says, I didn't sign up for this, right? And, and stuff's just going, and I just like doing that. And, uh, and so things are flying out, right? And, and, and they're, they're mad at each other. And the, and the truth is that, that Mr. Mug thinks that the blue beads um, that, that the pink beads are hitting him um, because, I'm sorry. The truth is that Mr. Mug thinks that the blue beads are flying out of him because Mrs. Mug keeps bumping into him. And Mrs. Mug thinks that the pink beads are flying out of her because Mr. Mug keeps bumping into her. Now, this is good stuff, okay? Because the truth of the matter is, 
the reality is that the blue beads are flying out of Mr. Mug because that's what's in Mr. Mug. And the pink beads are flying out of Mrs. Mug because that's what's in Mrs. Mug. It's not because the other person's bumping into them. It's because that's what's in there to fly out in the first place. Jesus says it like this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me say it again. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Think about that. When we get into the context of a deep, committed relationship, oftentimes that's the first time in a long time when we've had an opportunity to get so deep with somebody that our heart overflows. That's the first opportunity we've really had for that tension to build up, for our heart to really overflow. And so that's why oftentimes we'll say, man, I didn't even know who you were. I didn't even know where that came from. But out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So think about it like this. You, you know, you're not who you are with your friends on Facebook, right? You're not who you are with your work buddies around the water cooler. You're not who you are with your, you know, the, the mom play date when you just get together once a week and you get the house perfect before they all get there. You're not who you are in those contexts. You're who you are in the context of your most committed relationships, those deepest relationships, because that's the times when you have the opportunity to, to see your heart overflow, whether it's a parent, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a significant other, whether it's that best friend that you've known forever. That's the kind of person you really are. Any Stanley says like this, what's in you will eventually come out of you no matter who's with you. What's in you will eventually come out of you no matter who's with you. You see, I could exchange whoever for Mrs. Mug and the blue beads are still gonna be in there, okay? It doesn't matter who I set right here. Whoever this is is still gonna draw the same thing out. And maybe that's, maybe that's your relationship history is you keep replacing this person or, or maybe you keep replacing this person and whatever the case may be, you always have the same issues. And I think it's time to say, wait a minute, there's something in there that's unresolved. What is in there that I need to look at? What are my pink beads, you know, for example? And so, you know, it's not a big deal if Mr. Mug is full of sunshine and rainbows and whenever they bump in together, sunshine and rainbows come out. That's not a big deal. But again, we all have a past. We all have stuff in our past that, that hurts us because we all have, uh, we enter every relationship with a broken heart. And so out of the overflow of the heart, mouth speaks. And so the question is, what do we do about it? How do we handle that? How do we grow from here? Because yeah, we can all agree that this happens, especially if you've been in a relationship for a while, you'll realize, oh yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. I've seen that happen. So what do we do about it? Well, in Proverbs, Solomon gives us a scripture. And Solomon, of course, is the wisest guy in all of the Old Testament. He knows everything there is to know about everything because he got wisdom from God, right? He wrote volumes on how to live life. He wrote volumes on how to have relationships, what to do in your job, how to spend your money, what to do with your time. He even wrote a thing about how to be intimate with your wife. I mean, he just wrote everything there is to know about wisdom, right? And he starts this scripture off in Proverbs 4.23. He says this, above all else, he doesn't say, hey, you know, like you might want to like listen to this kind of. He doesn't say this is like a little bit important. He says, I told you all this other stuff. Above all else, listen to this. Guard your heart. And I looked up the Hebrew word for guard and the Hebrew word for guard is taba, which literally means bodyguard. And so when you see that in scripture, I looked around, you know, where you see it. You see it listed for Pharaoh's bodyguards. You see it listed for Nebuchadnezzar's bodyguards. 
you see it listed for David's bodyguards. And David in particular is a guy, if you know anything about his bodyguards, you would know that these are, they're called the mighty men, right? One of them is, uh, one of them is so crazy, he chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed it, right? One of them um, went up against the dude twice his size who had a spear with a club and he killed him. One of them took out 300 guys by himself. One of them, a couple of them got together and raided enemy camps and stole a glass of water so that David could have a drink. These guys are like, uh, these aren't like mall cop kind of guards. These are like die hard kind of guards, right? They're like, they're like assassins. They, so when it, when it says guard your heart, it doesn't mean like kind of watch out for it. It means with your life, guard your heart. With everything you have, protect what's in there, okay? It says guard your heart. And so when you look at the word heart, the word heart is, um, it's not talking about the organ. I mean, the Greek word for it is cardio, where we get cardiac but it's not talking about the organ. It's talking about the, um, the, the seat of our consciousness, the place where our soul resides. The part of our body, you know, probably a better translation would be mind, guard your mind, because we don't think about that as an actual physical body part. But guard your core, guard your purpose, guard your character, guard all those things that make you you. For, out of, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Wellspring being a fountain, but not just any fountain, the inception point, the origin, the source of life, something that's alive, not dead, right? Something that that has movement, something that is active, not something that's stagnant, right? Above all else, guard with all your life, your heart, the source, for it is the source of life. And so if I asked you guys, you know, as I asked myself when I read the scripture, what's my plan to guard my heart? I mean, I came up with nothing. I was like, what's my plan to guard my heart? I have no idea. Like, I've never even thought about it. So this thing that this guy says that is the most important thing that we should do, I didn't even have a plan. I had no idea. And so my guess is you probably don't either. My guess is you probably haven't thought about this idea of guarding your heart. And so you're seeing this stuff happening. Things are overflowing. You really don't know why, right? You don't know what's going on. And so, you know, we don't, we don't know how to even monitor our heart, right? Think about it. Think about it like this. You're pretty good at walking into a room and going, that guy's heart's messed up. Yep. I see that lady. Yeah, I can't even believe she said that. You know, like you, we're pretty good at monitoring other people's hearts. But at least for me, I'll get into an argument with Rachel and she'll say, well, this is what you're feeling. And I'm like, well, you're right. How did you know that? I don't even know how to monitor my own heart, let alone guard it. And so um, the smartest person ever tells us, if you want to do more than just fall in love, but if you want to stay in love, you got to guard your heart because above all else, guard your heart. But we don't even know how to do that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three things that you can do to try and help guard your heart today. The first one is um, when you are in the context of, of overflowing, so the next time your heart overflows, which remember we said happens in the context of a committed relationship most of the time. So either with your parents or with your significant other, with your spouse, when your heart overflows, do, I want you to encourage you to do three things. The first one is to stop. I mean, you've, you've heard it say, um, think before you speak. But I want you to do more than that. I want you to stop and I want you to name the emotion. So the first thing I want you to do is stop and identify your emotion. Name it. Give it a name. Say what it is, right? Before we can guard it, we have to know what it is. And before we know what it is, we have to ask ourselves the question, why is my heart overflowing right now? It's not because I'm upset because she changed the channel. It's, ups- it's I'm upset because 
you know, that was something that, you know, she doesn't value the time that I wanted to just chill and relax. You know, like there's more to it than just that one thing, right? I don't feel appreciated. Like that might be the core thing of why I'm agitated when she changed the channel, right? So what is the emotion? And for me, at least for most guys that I've met, we don't have that many emotions that we understand, you know? Rachel say, why are you upset? Well, I'm angry. Why are you angry? I'm frustrated. What are you frustrated about? I'm angry. Why are you angry? Well, I'm frustrated. Don't you get it? I'm angry. So it's like, I don't even know why that is. I don't, I don't get it. You know, she, she, she has to help me. Um, and so I would say name them. And so I'm just going to name out a few, and maybe you can hear some of these in you. And I think it's time to, to honestly evaluate what is flying out of me? What is flying out of me? What is in there that's coming out? Maybe you felt left out. Maybe when you were a kid, you felt left out, and that's carried over. When that person says that thing to you, it makes you feel that whole schoolyard left out thing again, right? Or maybe you felt embarrassed. Maybe at some point you were really embarrassed, and, and you've never gotten back that confidence. And so when that person says that to you, man, that makes you feel embarrassed. You don't feel secure around them anymore. Maybe you feel unappreciated. You've been trying your whole life to please people and help people, and, and you pour everything you have into that relationship, and he doesn't even care. You know, and so you feel unappreciated. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe somebody told you once you were ugly and you believe that lie and you still feel it, you know? Maybe you feel unlovable. When they say that or when they do that, it makes you feel unlovable. Maybe you feel like a failure and, and success is something that's been ingrained in your head and you cannot fail. And when they say that or they do that, it makes you feel like a failure. Maybe they make you feel old or maybe they make you feel stupid. Maybe they make you feel lonely or abandoned or scared. You've dealt with those things in your past. You, you have issues trusting people because you have been abandoned in the past and you have been hurt. And so when they say that, man, it makes that come back out again and you feel that emotion. Even though they just said one little thing, this huge emotion of your past comes rushing out. Maybe you feel out of control or betrayed or maybe you were picked on and you feel picked on. You feel like you're being bullied again, all over again by your, by your significant other. Maybe you, and this is a hard one, Maybe you feel jealous. I think jealousy is a really, really, really hard thing to admit. You know, I'm really jealous of the time that you spend with her. I'm really jealous of, the, of, of your time you spend at work. I'm really jealous of that person. Jealousy is a really hard one to admit, but it's definitely there. Maybe you feel disrespected and respect is huge, and that's all you've ever wanted is respect, and you feel disrespected. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe you just feel insecure. There's tons of emotions out there. And I think, you know, when we stop at the surface and we just say, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, we don't really get down deep into why I feel that way. And so ask yourself, why do you feel that way? As long as you keep them a secret, they have control over the relationship. Okay, so the first thing I would say is to stop and identify your emotion. The second thing is when it's appropriate, share it. At the appropriate time, share it. That may not be in the heat of the moment. You may be just, you know, ah, and things are flying around. That may not be to stop. Well, this is what I'm feeling. You know, I, it may be time to say, okay, wait, let's cool down and then let's talk, right? Or it may not be this person that you need to share it with. It may be that you need to talk to somebody else, a counselor, a trusted friend, somebody who you know is going to pull you up in the Lord, somebody who can really pour wisdom into your life. Maybe that's who you need to talk to, but you got to share it with somebody because sharing it with somebody gets it out in the open. And when we name it, we can own it. And so you have to share it. And, and so the question becomes, what's the proper response? Because he comes in and he says, when you say that, I feel like you, you don't appreciate me. You know, I, I feel like you don't appreciate all the work that I do all day. Right? And, and she didn't mean that at all. And so if you're like me, the response that you give is, well, that's silly. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. Or that's a dumb emotion. 
That's a dumb emotion. That's stupid. I, I, I probably have been quoted as saying that in the heat of the moment, not thinking that's dumb, you know, but that's not the right response. The right response is, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel that way, but I, I don't want to do it again. How can I help you not feel that way again? I understand that you have those feelings. How can I help you not feel them again? How can I help you deal with them, right? Because if you want to have a relationship that lasts, you're not going to continue hurting the other person intentionally, right? And so, the, so Proverbs 15.1 says it like this, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And so there's an opportunity there to come back with a gentle answer. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing. How can I help you? The third, probably the most important thing is to ask God to repair your heart. Solomon in that verse says, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life, fountain of life. The fountain of life is another reference to God and God promises that his spirit will be alive in our heart. And so the place that we're guarding is the place that God says that he's gonna reside. So if we wanna fix it, it only makes sense to ask the one who lives there, right? Ask God to fix your heart uh, because God promises he will. I found the scripture, it's in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, and I love it. It's one of my new faves, okay? Um, it says this, if you believe God can't do the, the impossible, this verse kind of, it helps you with that. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God can do the impossible. You, know, you may have walked in here this morning and you feel like you have a heart of stone when it comes to that relationship. You feel like your spouse or your significant other, or your parent or your kid, whoever that person is, has a heart of stone. But in time, God can turn their heart of stone to a heart of flesh. He can restore them. He can change them. He can bring them back to a point where they can have that relationship with not only him, but with you. And so I would encourage you to first say, God, repair my heart. My heart's broken, fix it. Can you fix it? Because you're the only one that can. Because he can do the impossible. He can take a heart of stone and turn it to a heart of flesh. And so I want to just, as we kind of wrap this up and the band comes back up, I want to encourage you guys, you know, the, to imagine what two people can do if two people running towards God, like if, if, you know, the, if one of them is running towards God and the other is running towards God, even though they may be separated by quite a distance, if two people run to the same thing, they end up in the same place. And so I want to just imagine today what could happen if you're in that relationship, if you need that restoration, if two people running towards each other run towards the same thing, they'll end up in the same place. I just want to imagine what that could do today. If you want to do more, then just fall in love, but you want to stay in love. I would encourage you to guard your heart this morning. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your son. God, I thank you that he died on a cross so that our broken hearts could be restored. God, I want to thank you that even though our relationships sometimes can feel like they have hearts of stone, that through you, you can replace them with a heart of flesh. God, I pray that this morning, as we take a look in the mirror and uh, we don't point the finger at our significant other, but look in our own hearts and say, God, what's in there? What's overflowing? What's that past? What's that hurt? God, I pray that you will just, that you'll humble us enough to where we can honestly evaluate our own issues and that you won't leave us broken, God, but that you'll restore us. Father, I thank you so much that you love us enough to not leave us broken. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.